Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are my friends Zach and Vince. But we have another friend with us tonight, longtime Multiversity cohort, uh, actor, uh, concert goer with me one time. We went to go see the Mountain Goats together. Uh, friend, James Johnston. Hello, James. Hey, everybody. That was fun when we saw the Mountain Goats. Remember going to see live things? Remember seeing live things right off the side of uh, the East River Park uh, with John Darniel beautifully singing uh, Mountain Goats songs that like no one really knew for the first hour and then ending with complete bangers. <laughs> and you got to leave in a crowd of people with your friends. It was great shit. Yeah, it was nice. But James is That's... here. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, bud. I was just going to say, that shirt, by the way, the Mountain Goat shirt I got at that concert is now one of, like, four T-shirts I wear in rotation in quarantine. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad it's getting some use still. Um, but, yeah, we're here to talk about uh, the lead-up to and then eventually Infinite Crisis. So uh, the question we've been asking when we begin these episodes is sort of when we first read this. So, Vince, am I correct in that you read this when it was coming out? Uh, I did, yes, yep. How much of the um, event did you read outside of like the seven issue miniseries? Basically, I, I read the I read the countdown stuff. I read, but I, I've read basically the stuff that we read for the show again okay. at the time, which was the countdown stuff. Um, I, I did. I was reading Wonder Woman at the time, and I read the series itself. Um. So yeah, b- pretty much all of it. Okay. Everything that matters. Zach, I'm going to guess you read this a couple years after it came out. Yeah, so I think, so I, I've i actually never read any of the tie-ins before, weirdly Same, enough. actually, same. Um, I've read the main Infinite Crisis series, I think in 2008, um, kind of like when I was first getting into comics. Uh, although I do remember I worked in a grocery store um, in high school when Infinite Crisis was coming out, and I remember seeing these issues in the magazine section and really wanting to pick them up um, and check them out, but for some reason I just I never did. I, I remember like distinctly thinking um, like every day when I would come into work, like, oh, I need to go look at those comics that are on the shelf, and then just never doing it. And uh, to <laughs> this day, it's one of those things like if I could ever go back in time, I would. Uh, that's definitely one of the things I would do is make myself... Uh, buy those infinite comics off the shelf truly an important thing you could have changed yeah just just one of many you know yeah. just one of yeah. if in my like moira x lives i i would definitely know to be reading infinite crisis as it was coming out and then james when did you first read this book i want to say i first read this uh like my first year of high school is when i started to get into comic books and so that was i first started with like the batman r.i.p stuff uh, and then it's I started to go to back start. and read all the Infinite Crisis uh, stuff. And it was really cool because all these crises felt like the history of the DC Universe. Like this was all set in stone history. And it's kind of fun to go back and read it through and see it as just like another big messy event. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so I, I I believe I read this. I, I was talking about this with the Identity Crisis show that there was like a five-year gap in my DC Comics reading where Identity Crisis, Infinite Crisis, 52, all that came out like in a in a gap of my comics reading. So I was catching up in like 08, 09 with all of this stuff. So that's probably when I read it as well. Um, so, Zach, you are the captain of the ship this week. So why don't you take it away with Countdown to Infinite Crisis? Okay, one one other quick question. Oh, sure. Who had read uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths before they read this? 
me. I read Crisis uh, for the first time in full like a year ago. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Vince? Uh, just for this, I didn't. I didn't reread it, but no, I meant like, did you read it before you read? Like initially, uh, before like, your initial read. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths was one of the first DC stories I've ever read, which was okay. a tremendously bad idea. Still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's terrible. It's a bad horrible idea introduction. <laughs> okay, Crisis I, I is one of those bur- books that just works better as a Wikipedia article. You kind of like read through <laughs> to get a gist of it. I used to think that, and then the last reread we did of it, I like fell in love with Crisis. I, I think I'm still with James. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. But um, I, I hadn't read it before I read Infinite Crisis. So uh, I didn't get any of it, honestly, <laughs> I, I think. Um, and so, um, but yeah, so revisiting it now uh, has been a trip. Um, but yeah, Countdown to Infinite Crisis, uh, the best deal in comics, 80 pages, $1. Uh, written by Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka, Judd Winnick, illustrated by Rags Morales. Uh, is it Jesus or Jesus? <laughs> Do you Jesus. know how he pronounces Jesus. Jesus? Okay, Jesus. I didn't know. Uh, Jesus Saez, Jomi Palmiotti, Ivan Reyes, uh, Phil Jimenez, and Ed Bennis, apparently. Um, I had to look this up on Wikipedia because I don't think anyone's credited in the actual issue. Um yeah, this book just wilds out. I can't imagine like what it would have been like to read this issue when it was coming out. Vince, tell us about it. What uh, was it like? What was it like? I mean, you, you got to remember that I was in my like late teens, and I thought that uh, Identity Crisis was based at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and also that like. This was uh, the logical, ex- like, I loved how this was the logical extension of, like, the, oh, superheroes are really fucked up people <laughs> type thing, you know? Um, so so that's what it was like at the time. Opening this issue today, I was immediately taken back to a, a time in comics that I really cherish and love. Uh, just seeing, like, Blue Beetle sneaking around like i was like oh yep i'm back home again i'm like <laughs> i'm like in my comfy pajamas with this shit i feel like this is uh, the only issue i can think of that is sort of uh similar to this in terms of its impact and scope is like one of the uh either the dc universe rebirth issue that we got mm-hmm. at the start of rebirth or um I'm trying to think of what it was. The was Final it... Crisis one? Yeah, or the Final Crisis one. There's one more, too. There were, there were three books in my mind that were like this, where it's just like, um... it, it just, it it's basically like unfolding a red carpet in front of you. Like, here, walk on this path for the next year. You it's know? a Nintendo Direct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Here's all the man. goodies you're going to get to play with this year, unless our contract with North and Langform falls apart. <laughs> In which case we can't introduce the two characters whose powers are that they are constantly blown up Palestine or whatever that Marvel comic was. That's right. Um, yeah, so this is um, this is a, a Blue Beetle vehicle um, who, I mean, seems, I don't know where Blue Beetle was, like, in comics at this time. I know that the, um, 
He was simping it, for Barbara Gordon. Yeah, he was yes. doing that, clearly. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if he was showing up in Birds of Prey or something. I know that they had done that. Um, I think he showed up in Birds of Prey, and there's a part in DC One Million where he's, like, begging for him to be her wheelchair for a second. Yes. Uh, I don't remember he's, he's that. Like, I must, I read that, and I don't remember. Oh, I can never forget. Where he's like, gosh, do- gosh golly, uh, Barbara, I grew up in a college town, so girls with glasses make me go Yes, I do wild. remember that. Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay, yeah, so... Okay, wait, wait, yeah, no, wait, wasn't that the Adam? Uh, wait, then. James, I, I want to push back. I believe that's the Adam. Uh-oh. That says that. It was the Continuity Adam. Continuity <laughs> <laughs> The base well, department called. They revoked my membership. <laughs> no, you know, uh, Ray Palmer and Ted Cord are effectively the same person at this point. Anyway, so <laughs> at this point, well, in DC, you're I, right, I don't, yes. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like Ted Cord Pal- like has his issues, but like Ray Palmer is wife. Oh, <laughs> Ray Palmer has been through family court. Ted Cord wishes he could per- <laughs> uh, perverse the travails of family court. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh. I do want to point out one Ted Cord thing here, which is in his monologue in this issue, he's talking about how he's a dot com millionaire. Like, I, yes. I know that like the DC and Marvel timelines shift as time goes on, but that was like three years before this issue. Like, I, I don't know how they could possibly have him being both a dot com millionaire and a member of the Justice League International. I, I just don't he, understand how that happens. He invented the hamster dance website. Oh, okay, that's what happened. All right, he, he was it. also the Numa Numa guy. No, we all know Zach was the Newman Hippa guy. He was the voice of the Pets.com dog. I don't know if you read this, but in 2016, when they were bringing back bread, uh, bread court or whatever for Rebirth, they were like, he got his money in Bitcoin. And I was reading this aloud in college class, and I went, this is based. And everyone uh, said, wow, that is based. <laughs> based confirmed. Uh, so... A lot of stuff happens in this book. Uh, basically, Blue Beetle finds out about some stuff that's going on with Checkmate and Brother he Eye. He falls into a hole and w- wakes up in the Rock of Eternity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Booster Gold is around doing some stuff. Um, this is before Booster is cool. Um, if he if if you think he's cool, he's not cool yet. Booster's um, always been cool. Um. <laughs> There, there are five chapters. I'm not, I'm not going to go through this one in like a ton of detail. But basically, sure. like Blue Beetle is going around the DCU trying to get people to believe him, and basically everyone just, just, just shits all over him. Yeah, like, he's posting hashtag save the supers on Facebook, and everyone's yeah. like, God, Ted like really fell down this rabbit hole. He thinks there's like an OMAC project, and that like what Maxwell Lord is like trying to like drink baby blood and adrenochrome so he can keep his mental powers <laughs> yes basically and yeah, um, the where we go one we go all thing is the ww is actually wonder woman because she's the only one that believes him so it's you're right it's where wonder woman go we go all paradise they, island never had to have a vaccine why do i need to have one in man's world they need to remake <laughs> uh infinite crisis in 2020 and just lean into all of this. You uh, should make everything doing. in 2020. Absolutely. Um, so I'm surprised Jeff Johns hasn't pulled the Sylvester Stallone and is re-editing this, uh, <laughs> like he like Stallone is re-editing Rocky IV. Um, he has the future got fired because he wanted to release the edition where Grayson dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he left is... the twink obliterated. <laughs> This is a so this is all building off of identity crisis, which we covered last week or last time. I don't know when 
in time this is coming out. It'll be last um, week by the time they hear this. Okay, yes. okay, beautiful. Um, and and basically all of Infinite Crisis is just one big rebuttal or response to Identity Crisis. So you we've got Doctor Light in here. We've got you know Fallout from all of the mind wipe stuff. Everyone's mad at each other. Comics are bad. There are no heroes. Um, basically, this sets up for all of the four miniseries that we're going to have to talk about. Um, the um, OMAC Project, Villains United, Day of Vengeance, uh, Ranthanagar War. Um, but essentially, like the big thing that comes out of this issue is that Maxwell Lord uh, kills Ted Cord, which is... Brian described that. No, you didn't. You you said in our chat that the Wonder Woman killing Maxwell Lord is kind of the inciting incident of yes. Infinite Crisis. I think I feel like this could be argued, but also I would go even further back and say like Identity is the the main inciting incident. But well, this, I, this I, is a big me. Deal. It all starts with the scientist of Oa, Krona, who <laughs> pushed his hands back through time in order to see the beginning of the universe. But oh no, this act of hubris is what separated, thus leading to the monitor and the anti-monitor. Well, exactly. What I was Norm, normal shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I was kind of saying is that, like, I feel like with a lot of DC's events, I think a positive thing is that if you pick up just the event number one, it's a pretty good place to begin your journey through that story. I feel like Infinite Crisis, there's three or four things before then that if you don't read them, Infinite Crisis doesn't read the same way. Like, if you didn't read, if you don't know how Ted Kord died, if you don't know how Max Lord died, if you didn't read Identity Crisis, all of this reads very, very differently. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unlike Final Crisis, where like Final Crisis might be a bit of a conceptual mess at times, but you don't need you don't need to read anything but Final Crisis and the the tie-ins to like no you don't need any pre knowledge really. The Apocrypha. Yeah. You should read the Apocrypha. I mean, it's good, but what I'm saying is you don't need you don't need no. You don't need, you don't need, it's not good. It's Countdown. Oh no! Oh god! I don't count that. Oh no! No no no! I mean, we I are mean, we are gonna read Death of the New Gods though. We are gonna read also. Death of the New Gods. Yes, but no, but what I was saying is like if you just pick up Final Crisis number one. You, all you need is what's in that issue to follow the event. Sure. I One of the guys at my theater is, uh, we were talking about Batman, and I, he wanted to get into the Grant Morrison stuff. And I told him, like, in the reading order I wrote out for him, Final Crisis, if you ever get confused by it, it's literally just an alien invasion story where a guy does mind control. It's not really that hard, except a vampire shows up at the end. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, I can't wait till we talk about Final Crisis. Mandrake! Um, and <laughs> uh, anything else that we want to say about countdown to infinite crisis uh my one note was just that i feel like this issue did a good job of giving you sympathy for ted cord who's a character that isn't always written in sympathetic ways i i think by the time he dies at the end of the issue you are very much rooting for him and you feel for him and i think that from the beginning of the issue to the end, it does a good job building to that moment. I yeah. like that they try to go for like a ripped from the headlines kind of thing because there's a scene where Booster's gold computer is exploded by Checkmate, and that's what happened to me when I tried to Google, <laughs> are the Simpsons real? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love issues like this 
to begin with. Like any time, like the first of all, the value is great, but these are like the the even no matter how messy an event gets or or how overstuffed, an issue like this is always it always gets me invested in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, like I'll take this any day over tons and tons of prelude or or lead up or whatever. Um, th- this was great for like returning to this to just plop you back into this uh, status quo. I I think it does a great job. Of I'll, that. I'll also say that I think that this issue does a better job of getting you. Um, this issue does a better job of connecting the four miniseries that spin out of it than Infinite Crisis does tying into those four miniseries. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's there's, probably true. There's almost nothing in the Ranthanagar War that has anything to do with Infinite Crisis. Yeah, you know, uh, um, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, there is, but you don't need to know. Like, I get, yeah, I guess we'll get guess to it. So. But like, we'll get the, there. Yeah, the, the main thing is just that Superboy Prime is dicking around with the planets. <laughs> and well, that's the, the funniest part is that in the actual thing, they're like, this was an act of war done by some Thanagarian death cult and it super boy prime just pushed it yeah <laughs> yeah, pushed yeah. The planet they to another planet they found the handprints um and and also well speaking of hands the hand the hand model um <laughs> the great hands yes one of jeff john's many attempts at doing the hand thing <laughs> um so, moving on to OMAC Project, uh, written by Greg Rucka, illustrated primarily by Jesus Saez, some uh, fill-ins, I think, by Cliff Richards, I think, is the, the main fill-in artist on this. So, um, this miniseries uh, follows up on the Checkmate, uh, Maxwell Lord, uh, OMAC Brother Eye storylines from Countdown, and primarily follows uh, Sasha Bordeaux, who I did not know was a Batman character. Um, His true love. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, have you read that? Is that in tech? I don't remember it at all. Okay. I don't. I didn't know that. Uh, that was interesting. So, um, basically, this is all about the fallout of um, Maxwell Lord killing Ted and um, kind of the rollout of the OMAC project, which is um, Brother Eye, this big satellite that Batman built uh, that Maxwell Lord has kind of co-opted to spy on the heroes and to make the OMACs, which are based on Jack Kirby's OMAC, um, only they are bad, and they're actually supposed to be kind of more like the... uh, What were those things in crisis on infinite earth the shadow demon things that came from um anna monitor yeah the um i I don't i don't know if they had a name but i I think it was just shadow demons i never really noticed that parallel that they're supposed to be the weird violent uh goons that just fly around yeah i think like visual there's a lot of like visual callbacks to original crisis with the omax um throughout this series and um infinite crisis so i i that was like in my mind kind of the role that they filled um they also 
went from OMAC to OVAX because isn't it established <laughs> that you can only be turned into an OMAC because of nanochips that were put into your vaccine as a child? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like so, a throwaway line. Yeah, yeah. It is revealed that um, the nano, the nanotech was spread through vaccines. So, uh, <laughs> collar tug. Um it but was yeah. a more innocent time where you could kind of just use conspiracy theories, and there were only maybe like forty people who would latch onto that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. This um, this miniseries is, I think, the one that people consider to be maybe like the most important of the four, but it's also the, I think, um, least concise uh, miniseries because in the middle of it, you have to go read another crossover to know what is happening. Um, to know what happens to what is set up to be the main villain of Infinite Crisis to that point. Exactly, yeah. So um, after the third issue of OMAC Project, you're supposed to go read this crossover between the Superman comics and Wonder Woman called Sacrifice, which is um, primarily written by, I do not remember the Superman writer's name i want to say it's rucka because i noticed how many times rucka was just busting these out rucka does one issue gail simone does one issue and then i I can't remember who the other writer is oh hang on let me look it up Uh, um and then rucka is on wonder woman so rucka does half of it yeah i want to say it's a writer who is um who who basically has totally disappeared from comics? It is. It God is. That's why I can't him. remember. That's why I can't remember his name. Um, Give me one. I'm looking it up right now. Give me one second here. Just talk amongst okay. yourselves. Um. So did you guys get dumb at the fandom? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Vince is the only one who watched it. I well, I think uh I think they're saving that for the second half actually. <laughs> I I don't know about that because I think the second half is the one that's mostly like kid friendly oriented stuff so oh. i hope not uh, dome is for everybody oh, oh no they're gonna activate <laughs> the no, OMAC project not. so that if you've ever had a vaccine they'll activate <laughs> it so people with vaccines will come over and give you dome <laughs> that's gonna be a running the project with batman screaming no as at least he's all the omax flying into gotham they all come down just immediately start sucking dicks <laughs> We have to stop them. Why, Batman? It seems pretty fun. I, I did it decided this way. They were cool. They weren't gay. Okay, Batman. Uh, Mark Verheiden. That's it. Yeah. Um, he got a so, job in DC after he had to hide a little bit. He lives in Argentina now. Paul the, uh, Verhoeven? Yes. Paul Verhoeven wrote these. <laughs> so the the three Batman, uh, I'm sorry, Superman issues are, are almost nothing. They're all um, Superman in some kind of deluded trance thinking that uh, various villains are taking people he loves and trying to kill them. Um, but really it's just uh, Bruce. <laughs> um, and he's, he just, we should just say, uh, on uh, Bruce. I, I'm sorry, Zach, to interrupt you. Uh, Mark Verheiden did a, a very important uh, couple of movies we should talk about. He is the oh, writer of both the mask starring Jim Carrey <laughs> oh and, ta- and time cop. <laughs> And time cops. So just, you know. Incredible. Yeah. Wonderful. Love it. So He'll Zach, probably Zach... show back up if I... he would have shown back up if 5G happened. Um... <laughs> Zach, uh, does this cement Bruce as the worst for you? Wait, why? 
I just I'm just asking because you don't like Bruce, so I'm... I don't I don't like Bruce, but no, like I, honestly, um, aside from uh, being like a paranoid, um, uh, like weird, I I don't know like what you just aside from all of the weird stuff he does with uh, Brother Mark Eye, Zuck- he's Mark Zuckerberg basically. Yeah, 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 he actually like comes out kind of better. I, I don't know, I would say better. He's actually not the worst in this. He sucks, but not really like any more than the other two members of the Trinity who all who all kind of suck okay. um, in this. He, but he and Wonder Woman have this kind of thing where everyone's yelling at them for doing the wrong thing, even though by all accounts it's just this one dude, Max Max Lord, who fucked it up for everyone. Like, there's really nothing wrong with Wonder Woman killing him. Batman's paranoia is completely justified by everything going on. Yes. Yeah, really, Superman is, like, the only one who hasn't technically done anything wrong, but it's only because he's just, like, completely ineffective at this point and, and just the very, very impotent by all accounts. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, Maxwell Lord uh, influences Clark to beat up on Bruce um, and then takes control of Clark again, leading to a big fight between Wonder Woman and Maxwell Lord, where uh, in a, a character-defining moment, which we can probably discuss the merits of that, uh, Wonder Woman snaps Maxwell Lord's neck, just turns it 180 around, and uh, kills him. And then the other half of OMAC Project picks up, and it's about the uh, fallout of Max's assassination um sasha bordeaux gets turned into uh a machine woman but not an omac technically it's important distinction and um she becomes an omega sentinel from (laughs) x-men yeah yeah oh there's a crossover that we need to happen um but that that's kind of the gist of the main six issue miniseries of omac project um what do you guys think about OMAC Project? Uh, it could have probably, been two issues. Yeah, it could have been two issues. Could be said about all of these. Yeah. 100%. It's still, it's probably my favorite of any of them. Um, back when back when I was reading this back in the day, I, I really thought that this was what Infinite Crisis was going to essentially be about. And then like, the series comes and it's like basically not at all, but yeah. um, but yeah, I, I thought it was going to be the major through line one, and I, and and I think you're right. It is the one that comes off as most important to the event itself, but um, but yeah, oh, it definitely could have only been two issues for sure. And the and the thing, it, it's very strange to me that they didn't just make the the Wonder Woman Max Lord scene happen in this series, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. I I I will be the first dissenter of the bunch. This is my least favorite of the four miniseries, mm. by you a know, pretty wide margin, actually. I think really? I, I think yeah. I agree with you, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I actually no, I I do agree with you. I think this is my least favorite of the four. Almost nothing happens in this that has any impact. Any of the impactful moments happen in the Superman Sacrifice series. And uh, you're just you're basically reading this to to get a payoff in the uh, 
in this in the um, OMAC Project special in number seven. And that falls right before Infinite Crisis number seven. Like, we we should yeah that's we should talk mention so the, there are four six issue miniseries that in each that each then have a one shot that is separate from the series that takes place during Infinite Crisis, which is not confusing at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought that this was, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, fine. But I don't think it's Rucka at his best. There's a lot of that really annoying, like, half MS-DOS uh, <laughs> writing that happens in this which is i I just eventually i just stopped looking at that altogether if there was any of that i just stopped reading it um and i think that this has a lot of just uh stuff that sounds deep in some way but is really just nothing it really doesn't need to be anything more than maxwell lord gets his neck snapped and that causes all the omax to go haywire and kill a bunch of d-list heroes Everything else with Sasha Bordeaux is just sort of setting up Checkmate, like the series that came after this. These are all basically just pilots for comic books that would come out after Infinite Crisis. I think the only one that really, really took off was uh, Gail Simone's Secret Six. Uh, But this is, I think, the most blatant, all right, we served the purpose of the greater miniseries. Uh, now we're just going to kind of introduce you to Sasha and like no other character who shows up in Checkmate. Yeah. Um, anything else? No. Okay. All right. Well, next we've got Villains United, uh, written by Gail Simone, illustrated primarily by Dale Eaglesham, but uh, also with one fill-in issue by our pal Val Simex, uh from uh, DC One Million. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like James said basically the setup for secret six um which is a villain team that's a little bit different than suicide squad in that it's not run by amanda waller um it's actually run by someone else mysterious uh named mockingbird who we find out that person's identity over the course of the series but um the team is catman um Deadshot, Cheshire, uh, Scandal Savage, um, Daughter of Vandal Savage, Ragdoll, and a random Parademon. And they are basically set up as this kind of um, morally gray kill squad that is in opposition to this new villain group called the Society that's being put together by Lex Luthor uh, for the uh, supposed purpose of creating a machine that will mind wipe uh, all the superheroes in retaliation to the mind wipes that were done in and around um, Identity Crisis. And this one's really good, I think. I really like this mini a lot. It's my favorite one of the four. I think a fair argument could, could be made for that. And it, it makes sense because it did go off go on to spin off the the only series that really kind of uh found a a core audience and some and a lot of critical praise with uh secret six um yeah it made me want to it makes me want to reread secret six yes yeah i've actually i've never read secret six like a few issues here and there so honestly 
more than anything, doing this Infinite Crisis uh, read-through has made me just want to read all of the comics that spun out of this. So (laughs) put me down for Checkmate, put me down for Secret Six, put me down for, uh, you know, even Shadow Pack. Sure, why not? Oh, I'm in. Um, I'm all in on Shadow Pack. We'll talk about that in a minute. I love the concept of Shadow Pack, even if I've never given it a shot. I think Villains United is the best one if you love the Venture Brothers. Like, if you just love supervillains hanging out, figuring out how they're going to organize, uh, and then, like, the petty conflicts that lead to people being like, well, I'm not going to join the Secret Society. I'm going to join the Secret Six or whatever. Well, we got to kill them. Um It, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's the most fun, it's the most sexy, it's the most villain showing up. Uh, Catman is amazing as just like a him, like a him, not to overuse the term, but just a himbo who just wants to hang out with his lions. Uh, and then he gets betrayed because Deadshot was the one who killed his lions for some reason. And everyone's fighting over cats. And then a castle or the House of Secrets gets besieged by supervillains. And it's all this big, dumb, campy stuff, which a lot of comic <laughs> books ought to be. Uh, like I, I sent a screenshot of the page where the Secret Society shows up to attack the uh, Secret Six, and there's like two just gorillas hanging out in the crowd. It's great. It's, it's it is great. It's great. Um, Cheshire tries to like extort Catman into knocking her up um, in like the creepiest way possible. It's all women do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, there, there's actually like Again, a lot of court. big. Re- <laughs> we're gonna get to there's a there's a good family court joke or men's i've got a good men's right just uh joke coming up later but um if, if i remember right cheshire getting pregnant by catman later sets up the fact that she does not care when her baby with arsenal gets blown up uh by prometheus during cry for justice uh like arsenal like gets back on heroin he like cries and like loses his mind over it and then they like check in with cheshire and she's like well i have a i got a backup baby she even says that one baby. She says that in this interview, I mean, interview, fuck me, in this miniseries where she she was like, because that's the whole thing is like, um, they're all forced to do this because he is, uh, oh, right, because yeah. Mockingbird is like, is, is threatening all their families. And she's like, well, I got another one. So peace. I'm good. Yeah. Peace um, out. There's actually, I think, arguably more um, important setup for Infinite Crisis in this book than in OMAC Project. Um, oh, yeah. We get um, a pariah reveal. We get the uh, we we see the the society kind of capturing certain people like Pariah. Uh, Sinestro goes after Lady Quark. Um, we find out that there are two Lex Luthers and. Um, I can't remember. Do we actually find out in this miniseries that one of them is Alexander Luther? No, or does that they come say later? that it's the people that any hold any reveal that it's a holdover from the first crisis is saved for Infinite Crisis. Number okay, one. I, 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 that's what I thought. But we do find out that there are two different Lex Luthers: one who is running the society, and one who is actually Mockingbird and running the Secret Six. Um, and then they also. I think those are I think those are all of the major kind of setup reveals for Infinite They could have just done just just Villains United, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's they, also the only really it's could, the one yeah. where it's the setup that I think would work best like like if all of the the premise of the four series is that 
there are four disasters going on that could all conceivably be their own crossover. Villains United is the best one out of those four premises. Yeah. Yeah. Their base is the House of Secrets. That's cool. It is, yes. I, I feel like Gail Simone just does a really good job of making each of these characters interesting in some way in, in a relatively short span of time. Uh, I think the only character that maybe comes off as being less than like perfectly written is the random parademon because I feel like he is written unlike any parademon was ever written in DC comics before this. Was that a parademon that had like its own thing going on or was that just a random one they just found? I honestly don't know the answer to that. I don't know, yeah. But his his bromance with Ragdoll was nice. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, the characterization in this is just really, really good. Um, Catman is is awesome. Um, I really want to read Secret Six now. It's very good. It's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Gail the... Simone was a lot of fun in this era, and then like. Come New 52 time, she was not as fun. Because she had to share a book with uh, (laughs) Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. Well, that that, and also I feel like instead of letting her do new stuff, they had her return to a bunch of old concepts. Like she she did a return to Birds of Prey. She did a return to a Secret Six book. Yes, yes. Whereas... She did... Crap! What was it called? What was the like one percent versus ninety nine percent? The yeah, movement. The green, green, green the movement. Team. No, yeah. green, green team was the Art and Franco written uh-huh. one. I you just activated a long dead synapse <laughs> in my brain over DC's <laughs> The Movement. I'm, I'm I'm famously quoted. My review of The Movement uh, number one is on the Wikipedia page for The Movement. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Gail's great. I I think she's a great writer, but I think any writer benefits from. You know, moving moving to new concepts instead of trying to rekindle old ones. Like like her inspiration for Secret oh, Six was probably all run out at that point. God. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the, that? The the movement's headquarters is the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire building. <laughs> like it's not exactly, uh, but it's the sweatshop that they called the one eight one after the 181 women who were locked inside and buried alive during an earthquake, which is a direct shout-out to the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire in Greta's Village. My God. Wonderful. <laughs> Time to go back and reread that. Yeah. I wonder if that was any good, because that came like in the middle of the New 52, it... and it. I feel like there was a lot of hype around it, but I don't remember it being very good, but I wonder if that was just because it didn't fit in with the rest of the New 52. <sighs> Zach, you, you're famously quoted about this. How was that serious? <laughs> I mean, I think I only read the first issue and I didn't love it. It had um, Freddie Williams the third on art, who I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of. No offense. Sorry, uh, Jeremy. His work. Uh, excuse yeah, me. Sorry. You did say that Williams' dynamic and engaging art makes this a book that stands well, out among the I had to say standard brand I had of to say, I had to say something nice to fill out a uh, six to eight hundred word review at the time. So don't yeah. don't hold me to what I wrote ten years ago. Plus, there's the DC payola they used to give us. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. I, all that yeah. famous DC payola we got. I was. I was just trying. I was just simping DC to get on the DC three cast, and uh, it paid off. <laughs> A concept that would have yet to be invented. Exactly. For <laughs> I wrote nice reviews of DC comics for five years, so I could eventually get into the VIP suite at the Fandom. <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Day of Vengeance. Are we? Are we good? You know what? Let's Day take a break. Vengeance. Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about Day of Vengeance and the other uh, lead-up books to Infinite Crisis. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books hitting shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Take it away, Zachy. Okay, so next we've got Day of Vengeance, uh, written by Bill Willingham, uh, with art by Justin Niano, who I think is canceled, I'm pretty sure. Oh, is he? Um, For what? I, I didn't research, but I feel like i remember him getting canceled <laughs> you just gonna throw him under the bus yeah to our november, dozens of no, listeners november 2nd 2012 justin anano uh pleaded guilty to second degree possession of child pornography oh, oh yep okay he's canceled. second degree <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna throw him under the bus for second degree Uh, according according to wikipedia he was sentenced to a 10-year suspended sentence after he served three years in prison followed by 10 years probation when asked if he had anything to to add he replied i think i'm good (laughs) does it talk about how bill willingham was the one who bailed him out no (laughs) okay um, I think I'm good. Harry. That is that is one of the <laughs> best I'm ever good. quotes to, on a on an official police charge. <laughs> I'm good um, over here. That, I'm good. That, I'm what good. are you gonna do? Stab me from the man who was stabbed? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but before we talk about Day of Vengeance, we have to talk about another crossover between the Superman books. This one uh, was. Completely written by Judd Winnick and illustrated by Ian Churchill, um, and is a super oh, Ravagers fame. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it's a Superman Shazam story, and it basically sets up uh, how Eclipso and Shazam get involved in the series. Oh, I completely um, forgot I read this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, Eclipso like starts taking over people. And making them kill themselves to try to attract Superman so that the diamond can possess Superman. And then with the then purpose of getting Superman to fight Shazam so that Eclipso can take over Shazam. Um, And it all is ironclad and makes a lot of sense. Um, (laughs) So that's that crossover uh, gets the black diamond Eclipso diamond into Arkham where it is then uh, put in the hands of Jean Loring, none other than the infamous wife of Ray Palmer, who murdered Sue Dibney by stepping on her brain. Um, And she becomes the new Eclipso, and she seduces the Spectre to trick him into destroying magic because he thinks that that will end all evil and kind of... uh, 
complete his his goal of vengeance and so in order to fight the specter this new team of magical based heroes who end up calling themselves the shadow pact and is made up of forgive me if i mess this up nightshade the enchantress blue devil um bobo bobo detective chimp i always forget the guy with the sword what's jim rook nightmaster Nightmaster. yes beautiful um and ragman ragman and then to some degree black black alice plays a role in this but she's uh, very much a, she's a Gail Simone creation and I, I understand that she goes off to be in Secret Six instead mm-hmm. I think yeah and, and also you know the uh, Captain Marvel has a fair amount to do in this as well yes yeah so coming out of that that Superman crossover Captain Marvel and Shazam uh, play a pretty decent role in this and I don't I don't think that this is as good as Villain, Villains United but I think this and Rand Thanagar War are pretty much on par in terms of enjoyability, I think this might be a little bit better, um, despite being a pedophile. <laughs> Justin Hano's art is really good. Um, can I say that? Sure. Okay. I don't know. Um, and uh, it's the again like really good character work from Willingham. I think um, the premise is really strong. This really just feels like I've never read this before. But, oh, I, you know, this is my first time reading Day of Vengeance, but uh, Tynion's Justice League Dark is just cribbing on this to the max. No no offense to Tynion, but there's even the bit where kind of they're hanging out in the Oblivion, Oblivion bar and they all have to flee because they're they're afraid of having that many magical people together at, at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is a good series. I, I enjoyed it. This is my favorite of the miniseries. Uh, I am a sucker for DC's Magical Heroes. I am specifically a sucker for Blue Devil and Shazam and and Detective Chimp. So you know this is this is Brian Nip to 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 the nth degree. I really like this. I thought this did a good job of giving the mythical rather the mystical heroes something to do in this event that feels different. We've complained in the past sometimes about how the mystical characters are used in these crisis level events and i feel like this is maybe the best of their uses thus far from what we've read in part because of the the stuff that's laid down in this miniseries yeah 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 it's also just like my favorite cast of characters like i i think i like the concept and i think i like uh villains united more uh, but just in terms of like characters, I love to see. I love to see Detective Chip. I love to see Ragman. I just like am so happy to see all these magical characters, and they got their own thing going on. We uh, love Ragman. Feels like most of the weird continuation of like dark magic stuff that DC kept by having like consistent Etrigan and like Zatanna Constantine books through the '90s into the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Does Does anyone know how? Um... En- Enchantress came back after Day of Judgment. No, anyone, tell anyone us. look that up? I don't know. I didn't look. I was hoping someone else did the homework. No, all right. Sorry. This is a sequel to Day of Judgment, where like every time this the Spectre loses a host, he just becomes the most impressionable, dumb, musclehead <laughs> boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> who, as soon as he gets a girlfriend, he will do whatever the girlfriend says. He does not care. Yeah. 
That is very uh, true. Which we that... we we didn't. I I guess I implied, but didn't like fully say. But the 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 Spectre and and Eclipso definitely like bone down in this series. Oh, they show them fucking. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> uh, but also, we should say that this is one of the rare times the Spectre has no host whatsoever. And so there's a lot of mileage given to that he is, you know, he's sort of unstable without without having a host. And this leads to him getting a host in uh, Infinite Crisis. Leading to the best tie-in issue of all time, Gotham Central number 37. We'll talk about that, I guess, closer to uh, when that happens in Infinite Crisis. Uh, I, I, never mind, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, I guess this also apparently, uh, so this spins out into Shadow Pact eventually, and also apparently there was a Countdown series called Countdown to Mystery that picks up on stuff from this. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, this is a spoiler for over a year in the future, but the the thing that we are talking about maybe doing after... We're done with our crisis events. May involve the Shadow Pact, but it also may involve reading all of Grant Morrison's DC comics. Both of these things <laughs> are potentially one. true at the same time. <laughs> um, okay, uh, last one: uh, Ranthanagar War, written by Dave Gibbons, illustrated primarily by Ivan Reyes. Um, Jay Pr- Joe Prado is on that as well. I think. That's I don't know if there's a villain artist I didn't write one down. Um, I think it's mostly them. It's mostly um, those two, yes. Yeah, and so this is actually spinning out of uh, an Adam Strange miniseries written by Andy Diggle from like a couple of years before this. The guy who which killed I Phil did Hartman? not read. What? The guy who killed Phil Hartman? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's an extremely Brian reference that 1% of our listeners will get, but they will enjoy it very much. Uh, we love you, Andy Dick. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm totally derailed. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so spun, spun out of that Adam Strange series, and it, it's exactly like the title says. It's a war between Ran and Thanagar, so you've got Adam Strange... You've got the Hawk people, um, you've got Brill Docks and Legion, you've got the Omega Men, Green Lanterns, the whole the whole thing. This is like a sequel to um, Invasion. Invasion, yes. yeah. My my uh, bread and butter. Um, I wrote down in my notes that this is Zach Nip. Yeah, this is Zach makes the DC universe uh, <laughs> basically. Um, but uh, that said, I also didn't necessarily love this because not very much happens and it's i i just like don't care about ran thanagar stuff that much um if this was almost anything else i think i'd be almost all for it uh this also has a prelude crossover in jsa that i didn't read james i think you said you did read that uh i might have there's like a couple issues where hawkman is like on the phone and he's like i just got off the phone with space there's a war now i have to go 
Okay, okay. I know, well, I know that there's apparently a story arc somewhere where the JSA fights Omenar Sin, who's the, the main villain of this. I, um, I blacked out every time he was on the page. Yeah. He's I could the, not he's, care less about Omenar Sin. He's the worst. He's the absolute worst. He was in um, Steve Orlando's uh, The Unexpected I bet series a lot of people were. recently, <laughs> which was good. That series was good. That was good. That on That's the one where Mandrak comes back, right? Yes, actually it is. <laughs> it actually is. Um, but really, this series is... <sighs> this one is the most, kind of like Brian said, the most tenuously connected to Infinite Crisis. Um, mostly because you find out not even in this six issue series that Superboy Prime is the reason for it happening. Um, not the actual, not the other reason, the fake reason that they that they think caused all of this. Uh, but I I still enjoy this. The Ivan Reyes art is really good, and it's interesting that he would go on to do Green Lantern after this. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have a ton to say about this. It's other than it's it's fine. It's enjoyable. I was thinking about this in relation to uh, the Empire event Marvel's doing right now because they're both kind of the same thing where like aliens species are invading each other and Earth heroes show up to be like, hey, cut that out. Uh, but I felt like Empire is such more grounded in like the actual like history of these like species and like the actual characters. Well, I just like fully w was blacking out several times during Rampanagar War. Mm -hmm. So there is some stuff in here. I recently read the first like maybe 25 or 30 issues of the Hawkman series that was written by Jeff Johns. And I feel like some of the Thanagarian stuff here is, is somewhat introduced in that series. And so I, I feel like if I hadn't read that series, you know, six months ago, I would have been far more lost. And there, there is a lot of... Ran Thanagar stuff that goes like way back in the DC universe, but I, my problem with all of this is that you only see Ran and Thanagar when they're fighting each other. You almost never spend time on those planets to get to care about those characters in any other setting. So if you're only seeing them during crisis level events, you can't possibly have too much empathy or care for these characters. Yeah, yeah. I um I didn't know. That at this point in continuity, that um, that Kendra, Hot Girl, and and Shaira, 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 were alive at the same time. Um, yes, she shows is, up in Hawkman for a little bit, which is a fun, okay, a fun arc. Yeah, which that's also been the status quo in Rebirth too, in the Snyder JLA. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, didn't know that, but also she dies in this so sorry so shaira sorry shaira um we should do a smallville podcast after this <laughs> vince I would, would love that the smallville podcast <laughs> i watched the last two seasons of that because i was like 15 or 16 and i was like these are characters from the comics on tv <laughs> epic and like now we're so spoiled by the CW universe doing like vaguely good adaptations of the stuff. It's such a different con it's such a different world. It really is. It, it really is because that was like the time 
when like especially those last three or four seasons where Jeff Johns would get to do a two-parter in the middle of every season and and everyone would just collectively lose it because it was just the most comic booky thing anyone had ever seen on TV. Um, and then Arrow did all of that every episode, essentially. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm still mad I only recapped the first season of Arrow, which was just every CW show is just taking, like like uh, like Riverdale or Sabrina or whatever, is just taking the basic concept and then putting it in the mold of a high school show or a cop show. And Arrow was like the first, like after the first season, which was just a cop vigilante show with like some references, it then blew up as soon as I stopped writing about it. And I I took over for you. I'm so sorry. No, no. no, The the, second season was really good. The second and third seasons of Arrow are very good. I will never know. Yeah. Uh, But what I was going to say is like uh, Smallville had moments of like transcendent really good comic book stuff and then you also had amy adams as just an overeating like monster (laughs) do you remember that i think it's the second or third episode yeah it's super early yeah um man i (laughs) we do need to do a smallville podcast just because of all the weird minutiae and things that that are associated with that series i was working a play uh i was just like uh working box office ushering for uh Shakespeare in the Park show that John Glover was doing, and the entire time I was watching him on stage being absolutely incredible, in the back of my head, I was like, Lionel. (laughs) (laughs) Me, Maddie and I watched Shazam the other night uh, Uh because she hadn't seen it before, and when John Glover came on the screen, I just leaned over and whispered, that's Lionel Luther. (laughs) (laughs) Lionel Luther, one of the best memories I have working at Shakespeare in the Park is when he actively asked the ushers who's single. Wow. <laughs> he rocks. Oh. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um so that's all of the tie-in minis. Um James, are there any other like countdown to infinite crisis tie-in issues that you read that you want to riff on for a few minutes? Uh I mostly want to talk about cuz there's a couple. There is um a lot of arcs that I think, sorry, I'm just looking at the picture of John Glover's Wikipedia page. He's doing a very, very funny face. Uh, <laughs> put that away for now. A lot of the tie-ins are stuff that really don't tangentially, because I read, I try to read as much of the tie-ins as I could. A lot of them are just stuff where uh, it's either magical adjacent, like in the Etrigan books, where Etrigan's doing his thing, and then the Spectre shows up for a second to scream, I hate magic, and Etrigan goes, okay, and then continues the rest of his book. <laughs> Um, that also ties in with Aquaman. Where were, you, were, you, were any of you reading the era of Aquaman, where he was residing in Sub Diego? I, uh, I am only familiar through Wikipedia. Same. I read a couple issues of Aquaman where he like has a son that he's finally acknowledged, but it's Aquaman, so his son horribly dies while Black Manta stands twenty feet away, going "ha ha" like he's Nelson. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it this is this is John Arcudi writing, right? I sure. believe so, yes. Yeah, I think so. And I think Pat Patrick Gleason is one of the artists uh, oh, wow. involved with this run. Uh so there's the Aquaman stuff, uh there is Nightwing stuff. A lot a lot of the tie-ins are basically just um People, like like Omac showing up in the middle of an issue to be kind of fought, and then everyone goes, "That was weird." Time to go back to our regularly planned story. Uh, Nightwing has a whole arc that is just him joining the mafia, and I never figured out why this was. 
part of the Infinite Crisis countdown because I think this was supposed to build him up to him dying in Infinite Crisis before they nixed that. Nixed that. Uh, but he just like makes he just like befriends a mob family in Bloodhaven, hangs out with them. He has like an underage daughter of the family who is constantly hitting on him, and it lasted for like way too long. It was good though. It was fun. Who who wrote that? Do you know? Uh, I don't know who was writing Nightwing then. That might still be um, Chuck Dixon. Really? He wrote that book forever. It wasn't Chuck Dixon. It was I think their last name was Grayson. Oh, Devin, 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 Devin Grayson. Grayson. Devin Grayson. Yes. Okay. Um, um, I think the only real thing that's like relevant to the story of Infinite Crisis is the JSA Classified, because that's what I actually read. I don't think I read that much of JSA proper, but JSA JSA Classified is basically Jeff Johns going, "We, I don't understand Power Girl either. Let's just power through this. <laughs> uh, and they... It's the entire thing is her being manipulated by Psycho Pirate, who at the end is just like, oh, by the way, uh, forget everything else. You were Earth 2 the entire time. Sorry about that. Bye. (laughs) I I have read that, but I didn't reread it for this. That is like, so I believe it was, is it DC One Million Boys where they mention multiple times that she's Atlantean now? Oh, yeah. They just say, like, Power Girl, who is now Atlantean. (laughs) It is so shoehorned in there. Um, So this is the beginning of of the earth Two acknowledgement, which, which then kind of goes on to define the character for the rest of her time. Yeah. Until flashpoint. Yeah. Well, and no, even after, even, the new, even after flashpoint too, well, because of world's finest. Yeah. Okay. I d- There's also your definition of what you mean by define is a little different. I think wow. the only appearances she really has in the new 52 are about her being from earth Two. <laughs> except, well, yeah, but, Earth 2 is different then, though. Sure. It's yeah. a different Earth 2, but she kind of just shows up in the main titles to be like, hey, anyone want to read Earth 2? And everyone's like, not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's her, just, I don't she's know. She's a supporting character that? in uh, the, the worst New 52 comic, Mr. Terrific. She is. And then you have, you have that Huntress uh, Power Girl miniseries where you find out they're from Earth 2. But that, that's um, the World's Finest series. No, 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 no. It's a mini series. It was one of the first six issue minis that came out alongside the Penguin. Oh, uh, you're book. right. Yes, I, I'm I sorry, Zach. I'm what, sorry. Wasn't no. Wait a minute. Wasn't that just Huntress? No. Well, okay. Well, it it might have been. Okay. Might have been just called you're Huntress, right. but Power it Girl was in just it. Called Huntress. It was just called Huntress, but Power Girl was in it, and that's at the end of the series. You got the reveal that they were both. Okay. From Earth. But they did a World's Finest. That was they after. They did World's after. Finest. It comes after. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Um, and we're rereading it for the show. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, oh, and then there's the resurrection of Donna Troy, which I truly it went. I I also blacked out during this one. I have no idea what that book was that, about. That's a Phil Jimenez thing, right? Yes. Yeah. That I was, imagine there were a thousand words on each page. Th- that is, I I tried to reread that maybe like five years ago. When um, you remember when Wonder when Donna Troy came back. In that terrible first issue of Wonder Woman after Azarello left, oh, no, oh yeah, yeah, that. like right, right around that time, I tried to like, all right, let me let me catch up on Donna Troy stuff, and it is just word vomit on the page. It is incredibly hard to understand her. She is so convoluted to begin with, but that is one of the most convoluted stories I've ever read. So that's where the the new Cronus Moon Base comes. Yes, from. Yes, that's where yes. that comes from. Okay. 
She's like held captive or like married to Titans from mythology, and then the Teen Titans show up and are like, "Can we have her back?" And they're like, "Yeah." (laughs) And it's that for like six issues. And like I can read words, you know, like I read books like every once in a while. I've read like three books since high school, but there's so many words, and the words when they come together, they're not very like story. It's not very good. I don't know if people understand how like much of an egregious sin it is to have a lot of words in a comic book. You just don't do it unless yeah, it's that prose issue of Grant Morrison's Batman. That's the only time you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, right, all right. So we've, Oh, the other thing, the major thing is Jason rush firestorm. Yes. His hair sucks so bad. <laughs> if you go back and read uh, the fury of firestorm or whatever they were calling the book. It was in a pretty interesting place, I guess. Uh, Ronnie just died. Jason was like Fortune's new identity. And this is before like every other comic was like, oh, the old guy died. Now I have to figure out how to be the superhero. Uh, And Jason's hair just sucks. He's bald, but they just kind of, it's like he is constantly waking up from a frat party where people have drawn in black marker on his bald head. It's like little (laughs) lines that are supposed to be hair. Like Homer Simpson hair. He also has, like, the worst mustache that is, again, just, like, little lines drawn on his lips. Like, he just woke up from getting hazed. And it's supposed to lead into he gets kidnapped in Villains United because as the firestorm or whatever, he can activate the tuner fork that comes in Infinite Crisis. Uh, But I read three issues of Firestorm where the entire time I was begging any of the characters, I was screaming this out loud. Uh, for any of them to just, like, wash his face with a cloth to get a marker <laughs> off his face. Um, that's definitely a weird era of Firestorm comics. Uh, but fun. I actually really like Jason Rush as Firestorm. He's great. Yeah. He was supposed to be on Earth, uh, I don't it's in my Earth notes. 8. Earth 8, along oh, with Kyle Rayner. Uh, and, 90s, and, and Helena Bernelli, yeah, yeah. and Breach, who yeah. <laughs> had his own series at the time, yes. apparently. Earth, uh, Earth Eight is the reason why Kyle Rayner is one of the like uh, character misfit characters from Countdown to Final Crisis, along with uh, Donna Troy and Jason Todd. But they never say in that comic why he is one of the like anomaly characters you have to remember that in one panel of infinite crisis it says he was supposed to be on earth 8 <laughs> and then there's the issue of infinite crisis which comes later where they just give up on the breach and someone kills him and then he's immediately replaced in space and time with captain adam yes <laughs> which i'm not positive i meant to double check i think has to do with that i I may be wrong on this, but there was that Captain Adam Armageddon series that was in the Wildstorm universe where Captain Adam Captain Adam was in Wildstorm for a minute and I Yeah, he like just he was in Wildstorm and then when he wakes up it's another crisis. Yes. DC Comics are wild. All right, folks, well, that does it for the first episode of our two-part Infinite Crisis special. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a week with uh, with more Infinite Crisis goodness. James, where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at Bionicle Fondler. If, <laughs> uh, like the Lego toy and then um, like the thing. Uh, if you're a fan of regional theater, uh, does the Actors Theater of Louisville, Kentucky have something for you? 
Uh, I am an apprentice with their professional training company, and our virtual season uh, is coming soon. That's exciting. Uh, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App, and I am at Woker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, furiously in- importing all of our information into a computer so that one day he can find he can reveal to the world our secret identities and ruin everything until he's going to some... dox us. He's going to dox us exactly. He's Maxwell Vince is putting Lord. on a big dress and putting on some red lipstick and constantly going through graveyards so he can seduce the specter into destroying Twitter. <laughs> Even better. All right, folks. We'll be back next week. Uh, read up on your infinite crisis and join us then. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and Brian's just spying on all of us. I mean, to be fair, I do record every conversation we have, (laughs) but that's sort of my job on the show, so... (laughs)